You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I'm the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher conclude the topic of cultivating the trait of being a good listener. Though we will never be perfect listeners, we can become listeners. Listen in as Candace and Cher discuss what it means that we all have to work through forming judgments and assumptions as a listener. Welcome, everyone. This is Candace and my colleague Cher with Processing Trauma Out Loud. And we are back this week to do another episode in our cultivation series. We have been looking at what does it mean to be a deep listener or how can we become a better listener? And Cher, we've had three episodes in this series so far, and we've listened to them all deeply, no pun intended. And we are excited about just the conversations that we've had around this topic. It's so important. And I think as we have recognized in our own lives, the impact that deep listening has had for us as we have experienced it from others, but how we are changing in our, even the ways that we are listening to others. And even just having this conversation has been very helpful. Mm -hmm. I was talking with a friend the other day. I, I had said these words to her. It was something that I noticed I had done that I realized it was a place of healing. And I said to her, I shocked myself noticing my healing. And she had mentioned that Christy Bowman will say, I took my breath away. Mm. And I just love that so much because when we're healing from childhood trauma and we're just taking it so seriously, and we also want to have a little bit of fun along the way, there is something fun about taking our own breath away when we see that the work that we've put in is kind of reaping real joy. Yeah. And making a big deal about it and celebrating it, right? Even if it just momentarily saying, I took my own breath away. <laughs> Because we can get very deep into the heavy stuff, but sometimes I think we do pass by the, the areas where we have identified growth or seen change. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, well, I've changed in that, blah, 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 and go on. But what if we pause and we recognize like, this is a big deal. I know for me, sometimes it can almost feel like I'm doing something wrong when I celebrate myself and how sad and how understandable. Because when you are coming out of complex childhood trauma, you often feel more comfortable with turning against yourself. Today, we are going to look at what does it mean when we begin to notice or we get curious about how we show up in conversation as a listener and we are forming judgments and assumptions. We want to say this very clearly. We all do it. We all do it. And we all do it for a reason. And you're going to talk a little bit about, especially coming from having developmental complex childhood trauma and why that may even have more complexity to it than, than maybe someone who hasn't. Right. I love how you said, Candace, that we all do it. And I think if we could just kind of be gentle with ourselves and say, the reality is the brain listens faster than the other person talks. So something is going to fill all of that space. And so our brain will pick up on things that aren't being said, maybe intonations or 
even perceptions of maybe what they are, what we think they're going to say, even if they actually never say it. Our brain is going faster. And so that space is going to be filled. And a lot of that does result in us jumping ahead to assumptions or making judgments. And if we could just really accept that and be kind with ourselves and say, this is normal. And also the recognition that when we have experienced complex childhood trauma, and a lot of times when we are thinking about that, we might think about the big things like physical violence or sexual abuse or some of those things. But what about things like parentification? When we have had to play a parental role in some kind of way, or what about triangulation? When one of our parents causes us to be closer to them than they are to the other adult in the room, their spouse, or our other primary caregivers, where we are closer to them, or we perceive that we are closer to them than they are, than that other person is. When we have been parentified or triangulated or any of these other things that happen in complex childhood trauma, it is like if you think about a child, let's just say a seven or eight year old who probably weighs 45, 55 pounds, and they're just learning to swim, right? And they can swim 20 feet doing the doggy paddle. I mean, they're they're really kicking, they're really paddling, but their head is above water. They have a big smile on their face. They're coming right at you and they can do it. That is, we rejoice in that. And that's beautiful and wonderful developmental progress for that child. But in complex childhood trauma, what happens is that we strap a 20-pound backpack to that child. And that same child who is only 45 pounds or 55 pounds, now we tell them, swim and they are trying and they are striving and they are, maybe their head is going under, but they pop up and they keep going. It's laborious. It's hard. It's, but they do it. They develop the skill of being able to perform in ways that are required. And so when a child endures complex childhood trauma, we develop skills that enable us to survive. Mm -hmm. Like that swimmer, they got there, they survived. And when we no longer need some of those skills, we mm -hmm. can't just take them off and, and go on in a, in a healthy, robust kind of a way. And so one of the things that I'm thinking about here is hypervigilance in conversation. A child who grows up in a place of complex childhood trauma, where the trauma is ongoing day after day in the place where they live, that child learns to be hypervigilant in conversation, always looking for what's being said that's not really being said, or what's being expected that isn't clear, or what punishments might be around the corner, or what expectations. We develop all of those skills which we need to survive, and then we carry them on throughout the rest of our lives. We carry them on for the rest of our lives and we develop, because we developed in childhood, this belief system that super hard is normal. Right. Yeah. Or looking for super hard to feel normal. Yeah. The idea that there can be relationships that are kind of light and joyful and easy, even when there is conflict, because you were modeled and taught how to have rupture and repair. We don't even know to look for that. And in fact, if we find it, 
it can almost feel like there's something wrong with that. Right. So those assumptions and judgments that we develop come from that weight to the child. It's normal, yeah, but it's not normal. And it, it does affect us and our ability to show up as a deep listener when we are still in those patterns of trying to figure out exactly what's going on with this person, because whatever's going on with them is going to affect me. What I want to say real quickly is even though we all do it, we, we do want to notice it. We do want to minimize. We want to heal so that we can become more fully present to really deeply listen to them. I wrote this down and I'll just, I'll just say this. We show up in conversation trying to decide if we are safe in our own bodies or not. But what if, what if we can? come into a conversation with a level of feeling safe in our own body. How does that happen, Cher? Yeah. (laughs) Well, because the reality is like we, I will say every single person, we desire love and goodness and kindness in our relationships with other people. This is what we desire. We, We long for that, but we are afraid of some of the things that we talked about last week dis- or two weeks ago, dismissal, we're afraid of being consumed. And so we're caught in this place of, I really want this meaningful conversation, but at the same time, I'm really afraid of what it's going to cost me. When we find ourselves there and those judgments come up and we're in the middle of the conversation and all of a sudden we notice maybe something was said and it triggered shame. Let's just use shame, for example, but it could be many different things. It triggered shame and all of a sudden our brain goes off on a rabbit trail and we are making assumptions we are making judgments. We are trying desperately to get ourselves into a safe place. This just happens. It's not a right or a wrong. Yeah. It just happens. And so what do we do in that moment? And I think I love what you said, Candace. It's noticing. Noticing. Like if we can just notice, that's a first and a very big step that we can take where we notice, ooh, I have something happened. I went into judgment. And while the person is talking, and even while we can actually still be listening to them, we can do a little self-processing where we will say, maybe to ourselves, to our younger parts, where we will just say, I am sensing that shame. I am sensing that fear. I care. I recognize that you are feeling afraid right now. And I promise I will get back to you on this when this conversation is finished. But right now, can I stay engaged in this conversation? So I think noticing, and then once we have noticed, we can just send a little bit, it doesn't take a lot, a little bit of care to those young places, enough to let them know, you know, we, we see them, we soothe them, we make them feel, feel safe in, a, in, in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then we do come back later to them and we, we re-engage with what happened right there. We do some of our own processing either either alone or with a friend. Mm -hmm. Yes, that allows us to come back more fully present into the conversations without those assumptions and judgments. And that is a gift that we are giving our listener and being a deep listener and really a gift that we are giving ourselves. They're not getting missed and those young wounded parts aren't getting missed. I mentioned to you 
when we were processing the conversation before we pushed record, how historically when I would show up in specifically a group, a small group, I had this belief that the people in that group, or at least some of them, not only were going to hurt me, but wanted to hurt me. And that level of belief for me, it was so real. The, The truth is I would get hurt, but I would, it was almost like I believed that people had a motive to hurt me. And sometimes I would even attribute to that to like, oh, a good motive. If if they cause me pain, then I can learn something. And I just told you like, oh man, when I started showing up in the pearls every week, multiple times a week in the beginning, now once a week, slowly over the last three years, I have no inner noise of that happening anymore. Mm. I just show up with wanting to deeply listen, wanting to be heard. And I don't have that expectation or a belief that someone wants to hurt me. Yeah. Wow. And I just will say, Candice, like that is worthy to celebrate. That is so much goodness and transformation. And the truth is, I know your stories and I can understand easily why this has been a battleground for you where where groups have been a battleground for you and where building trust has felt at times like agony you put yourself out there a little bit you make yourself a little bit vulnerable but you're kind of inside you're expecting the worst yeah what began to flip that script if you will is i would show up with things that I felt like I needed punished for, mm. judged for, criticized for, because I, I was being showing up honest about my struggles. And I just noticed the opposite was happening. Not once, not twice, time and time again, and still today, it is that kindness, compassion, curiosity, and yes, sometimes a little bit of a challenge is what leads to true transformation. Yeah. And I, and I'll even say that even the challenge usually is something like what part of you feels a desire to be punished for that? We really have recognized that focusing on a particular behavior that might have been deemed right or wrong, good or bad, or whatever that we carry in our own self. I'm really bad because I do such and such, or I think a certain way or whatever. And then when somebody else brings goodness, even right into that to cause us even to be curious about why do I think I'm worthy to be punished? Because I thought that thing. And you named several things and I will say, and it's love. It's just the power of love. And I've said this so many times. I believe love is the most powerful force in existence, love. And when we experience the goodness of love, even imperfectly, we've had times in, in our group where we've had to do repair because there has been hurt and that that's become a normal thing. Like we can come forward and say something happened and I felt hurt and there's movement toward a desire mm-hmm. or repair. And this is something that everyone is so desperate for. 
We grew up in environments where there wasn't repair, where we, in fact, had to carry heavy burdens alone time after time. And so now to experience the goodness of repair is just glorious. Yeah, it's life changing. And when we access the courage to to keep showing up and to staying in these relationships where I want to just, we've used this word before, but even to practice noticing. So we're going to practice noticing assumptions that we're making or judgments that we're placing on someone. And we're going to, like you said, if it's in the conversation, notice it and then come back to it. That is, that's going to be a very powerful way, not only to notice when you're doing it, but what can we do if if we feel that coming against us? I feel like this conversation can be very helpful if maybe you don't even, I mean, have you even thought about this? Have you ever slowed down in conversation and realized that you're making a lot of assumptions and judgments towards someone that honestly probably most of the time it's not even true. But you're doing it because of your need to survive. You're doing it out of some sense of needing safer space. And because again, of the fear of being able to trust and making the full circle here, but, and being afraid that our deep desires for love and compassion and care will not be met. Such a good conversation. And I've loved this series on cultivating deep listening. We may come back to it someday and add more, but we're looking forward to starting a new topic next week in our cultivation series. And you'll just have to come back to find out what that is. So good to be with you, Candice. Love every minute. Yeah, me too. Love you, friend. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing, if you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandiceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Music was created by Kayla Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Audit Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.